0: It's time. So that do on, They it do You. It's time. On, on, on you. Sometimes.
1: You're listening to The Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark.
0: Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 26 of The Noise Cancelling Pod. I'm Frank Boyce.
1: And this is Axel Clark.
0: We're very happy to have you guys back. We uh, really enjoyed our our last episode with Miriam Khan. If you you didn't listen to it, I recommend checking it out. Today... I feel like we have a, a topic that I'm another topic I'm kind of surprised that it took us so long to get to. Would you like to um, introduce the topic for tonight, Axel?
1: Sure. So the topic came up because I, I'm in this fantasy sports league that I'm building the website for that we've talked about. And most of the other people in, in the league have kind of co owners or co managers. And so at the, when we started at the, the year I was just doing it by myself. And so then I'm, but I was looking, kind of thinking about getting a co-manager. So I asked Frank if he would kind of be the co-owner with me of the, doing this fantasy league. And so we have, wor- have been working together on going through the draft so that for the fantasy league, you draft teams instead of players and it's across multiple leagues. And there's 20 different there's 20 rounds and 14 different leagues. So the amount of knowledge that you have to have is immense. So it's, and it's not simple to gather the data. And so we've been working together on the draft and what we've been and kind of what we, what the topic we're gonna talk about is collaboration. So we've been working on collaborating on the draft and just, we'd like to talk about different challenges we've faced some ways, some things that we've done well, some things that we could probably improve, but I think it's a good kind of introduction or um, sample to talk about collaboration.
0: Yeah, I was definitely, I feel like the last few topics have kind of come about organically. And this one, you know, we, we kind of started working on the fantasy team. And I'll, I'll be completely honest, <laughs> I wasn't super into it at the beginning. I was just like, uh, I'm kind of not into sports right now. Got a, a lot of stuff going on. And then like, it took me one round and you, Axel sent me this really, detailed spreadsheet looking at every league that you could pick from so women's tennis men's tennis men's golf uh you know UEFA uh Champions League Premier League so every league just looking at their odds and so he also sent me his criteria which I think was really important that he was just looking to get the best value that was out there based on the odds so I mean I think that that was kind of the starting point of where you know, I understood your perspective on on how you wanted to pick, and I kind of structured how I gave you feedback based on who I thought would be good next in the next round.
1: Right, like I, I, so I, I was, I felt like the biggest benefit of bringing you in is looking at it from a different perspective, but at the same time, I have this uh, strong belief that across so many leagues, you should just use the the data that's available and not go off on gut feel. And also there's certain things about <clears throat> different leagues that I think should be taken into account. And so I didn't want to not get your different perspective but at the same time I felt like it was important that you could understand my philosophy on, on the draft so that if you were pitching something you could at least understand what my questions would be uh, if it didn't really, if the pick didn't match with my philosophy
0: yeah and it was really helpful for there were some specific rules like i i thought one we were picking baseball for this year and so i was going completely on this year's rankings and i was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa what are you talking about <laughs> right you're like what, it's so obvious we should
1: yeah. it's so obvious we should pick this team i don't know why no one else has picked them yet
0: yeah exactly so getting everybody on the same page um and really understanding the mindset. You know, I think taking a step back um, towards more of a discussion just on, on pure collaboration, you know, I've seen it a lot of times where the idea of collaboration is really good on the surface. And then you actually bring a group together and, you know, it doesn't necessarily always pan out. Have you had experiences where you were like, okay, let's, let's bring everybody together and do some brainstorming. And it, it just, it just didn't match
1: well so I think this has probably happened to me a, a few times even recently where you are working on your individual project and you're heavily invested in it and you've made all the decisions and you kind of know what you're where you're going and bringing someone in at that point sounds good but you kind of it's really hard for you to to let go of being in charge of making all the decisions and not taking not saying you're gonna take it personal when people have suggestions for doing it differently but when you're so heavily invested I think you have to focus try really hard not to take offense and to make sure that you're taking that their suggestions uh constructively or and don't uh like take it personally when they are coming up with a different way of doing something
0: yeah it's kind of the it's a fine line right where you're You're walking along and you want to be assertive in your own perspective especially like you said if if somebody's kind of joining late to a project but at the same time you don't want to discount their opinion completely just because you're like well you know that's really not the way that we're going to go so man like almost managing the creative influence i think that you're saying like if you're kind of already in control of the project it's really difficult to bring somebody in
1: right it definitely is and i think you owe it to that person to give them an overview of your philosophy and kind of where you where you want to go so that when they give you input, it's not obviously at odds with what you're trying to do.
0: Yeah. And I would say, I think I've, I've failed sometimes, you know, soliciting feedback from people where I, I've left it too open ended and haven't, you know, really told them, you know, here's why I want to bring you in and get feedback on this. You know, and I think from my perspective, a lot of times I don't want to limit people's feedback. Like, like I always say on the show, like, I I just want people to be really honest and even brutally honest at times. But I think framing the feedback that you want from people is really important for, you know, putting it in a place where what they say is actually going to carry some weight.
1: Yeah, I
0: So I, I like your, thing, your, your point on kind of laying out a decision criteria. Um, can you talk more about what that looks like on teams?
1: So I, have to, I should probably pull this up. But what I'm, what I'm trying to do, the bottom line is there's two divisions. And so if you finish in the bottom four of, of the top division, then you get relegated down. You have to play in the lower division the next year. And mainly, I'm just trying not to get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not trying to to win the whole thing. So the picks that I'm making, I'm making picks that are more conservative, that are more likely to get points than going trying to hit home runs and get all the teams that are going to win the championship. Because you get significantly more points if they win the championship. Uh, so, if you can, like, one approach would be to, to, to kind of take shots at uh, the leagues with a lot of variability, particularly in the early rounds, so that you uh, have a better chance of potentially getting one of the champions. Uh, but then for the leagues that have less variability, if you can get those picks in early, then you have less likelihood of not getting any points. Gotcha. And, and then there's also variation in how much information is available. So the NFL the season's already started and and so there's a lot of information about the teams but at the same time the NFL is also has a lot of variation. It's hard to pick the top teams whereas mm-hmm. basketball hasn't started yet, but there I would say historically there's less variation in the top teams in basketball. So it's it's interest, it's a really cool league just because there's there's so many in there's different rules for golf and tennis so there's probably if you studied it long enough there's all kinds of different strategies you could have uh because it really ends up being a pretty complicated model to try to figure out the best approach
0: yeah it would be really interesting because you can get into some crazy analytics in terms of running the probabilities of all those different leagues right Uh, i've really enjoyed the uh (laughs) kind of the vastness of the draft. Like, I think that that's what's made it so much more interesting to me is, you know, it's not just, you know, studying all of the NFL players or studying all the NBA players and trying to get the most value each round. It's just looking at all these rounds and sometimes saying, you know, in this league we should draft two teams or in, in this competition we should draft, you know, two women's tennis players at once and, you know, maybe those will either have trade value or we can use them in a way that, you know, emphasizes this inefficiency
1: right yeah there's all kinds of different approaches and strategies you can use and also so that's just your going in approach but then you have to look at what other people are doing and then what the other people are doing can shape your strategy as well so i feel like a lot of people because the nfl is front and center people are more apt to like pick nfl teams so i think that a lot of times nfl teams are get picked up early and then people keep picking the NFL teams, even though there's a a lot better value in some of the more obscure leagues. So it's, uh, there's a lot of different strategies you could take.
0: For sure. So kind of dialing this back in on, on just pure collaboration, um, along with decision criteria, do you think, just understanding the goals of whatever project you are on like how would you rank that like do you think having a de- decision criteria comes after knowing the goals or like where would you rank those
1: goals first so I think you have to establish you have to establish your overall goals and then like the, those inform the decision criteria mm-hmm. uh, I don't know but it's sometimes I think so on some projects that you let's say you've been on for a year and you've been thinking about it for a year. Mm-hmm. You, so you, you've you thought of a bunch of different options. and So you've thought your way through, it seems like you've thought of all different scenarios and you have a good reason for why you're doing things. And someone new may come in and kind of ask a question that you hadn't asked before. And I sometimes I feel like I want to say, oh, I've already answered that question and here's the answer, I've already thought about that. But I think sometimes if you jump too early to saying, hey, that's something I've already thought about. You may mm. miss an opportunity, and it's not that you're. You necessarily need to do it differently, but the way that you are communicating what you're doing, I think, is really what you can change. Does that make sense? Like, it's the. Yeah. It's not an issue necessarily with what you're doing. It's an issue with how you're communicating, why you're doing something, or uh, what the purpose is that you're doing
0: sure i think that totally makes sense
1: i think it's a good opportunity to work on communicating the goals of your project and the, the the things behind your project when someone new comes on
0: yeah that's the hardest thing it's i think it's pretty easy to start a collaboration early you know like if you're all starting the collaboration from the same point it's a lot easier to build that communication and everyone has an understanding of where the project is and why you got there. And, you know, they, they have this story in their head of, of of all the things that you're doing. But right. when you just kind of tag somebody in, you know, that's where the real challenge is where you need to not only explain this person, but try not to be dismissive of what you could view as, you know, they could be kind of stupid questions. Like they, they feel like stupid questions sometimes. Right.
1: That's 100% right.
0: Yeah. But like figuring out how to bolt somebody on and, you know, take in that creative energy or like you said, that that just slightly different framing where you can find the value in what they're saying without really taking away or taking too many steps backwards. Because you're not going to go back to step, especially, you know, you're talking about bigger programs and, you know, it costs a lot of money to take any steps backwards and you're not going to be like, well, oh, uh, we could we could do that, but we're going to have to go back six months. Like, no, that's not an option. But, you know, you can talk through how to mitigate within that framework and within the value that that person's opinion brought. Right. I'm
1: thinking about when it's useful to... Maybe I should have already had this draft philosophy written down. I'm wondering about when I'm on... An projects on my own thinking about as i'm working on it putting together some sort of documentation to explain to someone new when they come on so i'm not putting it together at the last minute
0: yeah i think so or or you're not reframing it when you're explaining it to somebody new like yeah it just is already out there yeah i think that that would be really smart But I think at the same time, you know, one of the bullets I had written down was decision criteria versus debate. Um, And I think the real crux of that is, you know, there's obviously value in in debate and bringing up new ideas. But, you know, it's it's really how much of that control can you give up within that debate? You know, right, right.
1: Because you don't want to. You don't want to make it so where the person's giving their inputs and then you're like thanks and then you go the, the other way every single time, right. because at some point the person decides okay that was fun but I'm clearly what I'm saying is not going is not going to happen so you quit giving inputs.
0: Yeah, you can't but, just dismiss it.
1: Right, but at the same time you've been in a hundred percent control for the last X number of years or months or whatever, and so it's not so easy to say. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to relinquish control to this person who may not understand all the elements of this project. And so you I don't think you can do that exactly because especially when they're new, they may not understand pieces of it. So mm-hmm. it's trying to get them up to speed to understand the elements so that they can be a contributing member.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a hard balance to really to really hit. Um, do you feel like like what what specific um, like outside of just work and outside of just fantasy like what do you see as being the best places for collaboration that, that you've used and I know you've mentioned some of it in in like the coding and the programming circles
1: yeah so I, I so honestly I I haven't actually collaborated on any projects coding I've talked to people in fact I went to like the monthly Elixir meetup here in Virginia and the speaker wasn't there and so I ended up just showing like walking the three or four people that were there through the uh, the website that I'd made and through all the code and I actually like I'm pretty new to programming but it was cool because a lot of them hadn't done that many different things in Elixir, and so they're like they're much more experienced programmers, but because I'm building out a kind of a bigger app, they just kind of played around with it, and so mm-hmm. it was kind of cool to show them all the different things that that I had figured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think probably getting feedback like that is helpful. I don't, yeah, but I I I, I was thinking about if if someone came on and they started wanting wanting to to write pieces of the code I think I would let that go I don't think I would have a problem with it it's hard to get people's outside of work it's hard to gauge people's commitment I think
0: yeah that's a that's the hardest thing when it's your project right it's like is this person just throwing up an idea um, you know just kind of spitballing or are they actually have do they actually have some sort of commitment where they're they're going to be invested and a part of the team. Yeah. Cuz yeah, I I definitely have felt that in, you know, when you bring somebody on and you start you know doing some brainstorming, you know, <laughs> where where does this person actually fit and and how how much do I really want to consider their opinion? Right. It's really really hard, especially w- when it's something that you've had such tight tight ownership on i'm thinking a little bit of of morning story where you know you kind of start like for me starting with my co-founder mike you know from nothing to kind of something now and then somebody comes in they're a videographer and they have some creative ideas and you're just like well i don't necessarily mind that but (laughs) here's kind of the other part of the vision kind of like what you were saying like giving them that full picture right Um, and trying to get them up to speed so they don't feel like you're just completely dismissing them.
1: Right. I th- yeah, giving them the picture I think is important and I don't think I don't think you can just hand someone your mission vision goals and make it happen.
0: No. Definitely. <laughs> I not.
1: don't I don't know what Yeah, I don't I don't know what the right exact format is, but I think that mission vision goals is <laughs> I I'm guess I'm a mission vision goals hater but most of the time I think they're not very helpful.
0: Yeah, I mean I think understanding communication style and decision making criteria are they're that's such a clear picture than, you know, just kind of this foggy language of who right. we are. You know, like I, how you make decisions <laughs> guides a lot more than two sentences on, you know, why you're so great or why you're getting the mission done first.
1: Right. I I like the note that you had about clear responsibilities because I think that's also telling someone up front how it's what their what the responsibilities are, I think, is also important.
0: Yeah. And I've I've been on some like process improvement programs. um, And if the roles are muddy, um, the collaboration just just kind of slows down to a halt because nobody knows who's making a decision nobody kind of knows how things are getting pushed forward or, you know, if they can even push forward their suggestions, you know, if you're like wanting to improve a process, but like you don't know who it's actually going to go to and if it's going to have any impact at all, like what, what's your level of motivation? Whereas if you know for a fact, like you are in charge of this process and whatever you guys decide is how we're actually going to do this from here on out, like you have a lot more buy-in Uh, And you feel your value of what your time is is spent doing is so much higher
1: Yeah How many people do you think is is the right size? I get probably depends on the project, but but For any sort of collaboration at what point do you think the team gets too big?
0: I I mean it definitely depend. I mean if it's like a big project you can kind of you you can use larger teams. I I think for is a pretty good number if you're like voting if you're just brainstorming four is a really good number Mm -hmm. if you're voting on something and have to make decisions i would say five five is a good number where you have an odd number and you can actually make decisions
1: yeah i think i think you can definitely get too many people and then it's yeah it's not effective
0: i think any more than five you're really going to need a big project for a, a lot of things for people to chew on
1: I think you at that point you need to break your product into little pieces, and then you could get you then could get back to your four or five people that are working on an individual piece of your project. But I don't think it makes sense to bring thirty people into a room and have some big huge debate among the thirty people.
0: No, I mean you're just going to either waste a ton of time, or people are just going to assume that other people are going to jump in for them and uh you know just be yeah. like well they don't need my input there's all these other people here
1: i was re- i was reading i can't remember who what blog i was reading but the he works he owns a company that's 100% distributed so they all work remote and he was just talking about how wasteful meetings are and that so often we have a document and we try to write it in the meeting I don't know, have you ever oh, have man. you ever been in that situation where you're trying to yes. write a document in a meeting that is yes. ridiculous? Or oh. even even editing a docu- document in a meeting most of the time I think is painful. And he was talking about look, if you have competent people, you someone you just need to pick someone to write the first draft and then just pass it around and make people let people do their edits and then maybe you could get a the group together once everyone's read it and done their edits, but the whole get everyone together to brainstorm, to figure out how we're going to design something or do something is wasteful.
0: Yeah. I will say with the, the live document editing, I, the few times where I've felt that it actually works and I, I was in a works workplace that used to do this all the time. Like we would have, I would say at least one meeting a month where we looked at some form of documentation together, mm-hmm. which is in itself super painful. But the few times where it actually worked was when, you know, we had already gone through some drafts and we're looking at that final stage and had everybody there that could make the decisions for what the final document could look like. And if you have all the right people there have, have done some due diligence of getting it ready to go, then it was actually pretty, pretty good and pretty streamlined to sit everybody down and actually just get this document done. And so it didn't have to pass it around anymore.
1: So that is one thing I agree that if if people keep pushing it off, sometimes you need to have the meeting as a forcing function to actually make decisions. So in that case, I have found it to be effective. But I would never write a document in a meeting.
0: Yeah, and is it at the end of the day, is that still the most efficient way to do it? No, I mean, you're still wasting 10 or 12 man hours if you have 10 people in the room. So like, it's definitely not an efficient way to do it. But if that document was struggling to gain traction, or it, it was taking too long to get from one person to the other, then, you know, at, at least you got that completed.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I think it can be helpful to, to push things forward in that case.
0: So even though neither of us, you know, work in a very creative industry, right. um, where do you think that creative energy or new ideas really comes into play? Like, do you do you get that very often where, you know, you feel like somebody's come up with a really good idea of how to do something in your office or how to how to, you know, use your system differently?
1: Yes, I, I think it happens. There is. I don't know why there is pushback. I think in general though, in the military, we're probably not, we're risk averse and that we don't want to try new things. But I also think there's an element where you can just go, people put up their own barriers and they feel that they can't go implement things, but really no one's gonna stop them from doing it. And so, In many cases, if you just go do something and it works, then people will kind of come around to it.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. Um in terms of collaboration, um I don't it's hard, you know, being in healthcare, I agree it's it's a a fairly risk-averse world um and and takes time to get things done. But I would say, you know, sitting down and and brainstorming, I feel like the right number for healthcare brainstorming is usually two. Okay. (laughs) Just because I think a lot of times when you're in a very risk averse, um, industry, the more people you get together, the more that sort of risk aversion and, you know, resistance to new ideas takes over. Right. Whereas if you have a much smaller group, um, you can kind of take an idea within itself where you're not necessarily looking at, um, how this is going to impact a b c d e f and g you know you're just looking at a and b and you might end up with a much more creative solution for just those two two aspects of it
1: so you have less naysayers and then you can just push it through
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it's not even necessarily less naysayers but it's it's with the smaller audience you can really break down an issue and find a more creative solution that, you know, maybe if you had considered every aspect and every risk, it would seem (laughs) less likely that it would ever get (laughs) right (laughs) or ever get implemented. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think I think like you said, right sizing a creative collaboration group um, really depends a ton on the project and a ton on You know who's in charge and at what step in the process you're at
1: yeah and what i guess also if you're if it's not part of work and it's almost a volunteer thing then what are people going to get out of it and what's their commitment so because really someone's commitment in that sense is really just i'm going to keep doing this until i no longer feel it's worth my while in many cases Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's totally true. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think you're right. What What is their level of motivation is is huge for, for you to understand if you're the leader of the group, but also as a participant of, of, you know, if you're discussing something openly with somebody and you kind of shut somebody off or, or just kind of say, well, that's not a great idea. They could just be like, well, all right, see you later then. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Did you fear for that when we were talking about fantasy that, when you were telling me that my uh, Boston Red Sox draft pick was a terrible idea? No, you,
1: I didn't think it was bad. I just i i knew that I knew personally that I needed to, to give you what I was thinking, and that it was it was unfair for not unfair, but I, I, w- I didn't want to like shut down all these ideas without explaining what. What my thought process was and at the same time i wanted to understand your thought process
0: yeah no i I appreciate that because i i think we we've actually i would say struck a really good balance in collaboration where you know i would say my a lot of my picks have been a bit more subjective where you know I, i thought that there was some value in in a league or or in an individual where maybe the odds weren't weren't quite you know, especially because we're in a later round picking now. Right. We're in the, round. What is it, nine or ten?
1: Yeah. yeah so so getting, at some point, when you're like, when you're choosing between someone with twenty to one and thirty to one, there's not. That's not a huge difference, and so you can kind of uh, perhaps <clears throat> look at it a little bit differently.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think for some of it, you know, we look. I look at reading some articles or maybe. You know can't just go on your historic rank you look at how they've been doing recently or with female tennis players we were even talking about one where uh, <laughs> the player had not had their coach had been fired and they were searching for a coach and I didn't think it was as good of a pick since she right. didn't have a coach right now so I mean it, it really you know you get into pretty detailed uh, analysis both from just an odds-making but also you know the personal subjective recency <laughs> of, the, right. of the picks
1: right I mean I guess you have to look at the recency of the odds but I they, for me I'm lazy and so I'm trying to do the least amount of work and still get make good picks so I generally speaking defer to odds
0: yeah I mean I think that's smart I mean I I, th- I think when you look at people who are actually successful in fantasy sports it's not people who are picking emotionally who right. who they thought was uh, was doing really well. Now sometimes it could be like picking whose hairstyle, like just like a super random criteria. But I, I think you know the, either the random or the almost computerized picking generally works a lot better than you know really picking who's your favorite.
1: Right, like as much as yeah. people hate to admit, auto draft picks a pretty good team most of the time they've got that algorithm down pretty well
0: <laughs> so i will say some leagues better than others I, yeah i had a i had a pretty bad experience with a, a yahoo MBA auto draft a couple of years ago where <laughs> it took my first two picks for both guys that are out for the season oh <laughs> yeah. it was it was brutal i did not win that year i will yeah. say that oh that's you know, tough I sh- it was it was tough to stomach but yeah so i mean just to kind of wrap up collaboration i think You know, what you said is setting clear goals, having clear responsibilities, having a very written out, um, like you said, maybe even showing new members of your team, your decision criteria and how you've made decisions in the past. Um, Those are really, really important aspects. And then right sizing the team for what your project is.
1: Yeah. And and then I also think establishing what the communication will be what the what the rhythm is how often you guys will communicate and it i mean this goes back to kind of clear responsibilities but who will make decisions basically it comes down to when you're bringing someone new on make sure you communicate and uh have aligned goals
0: yeah and i mean if you're as a leader i think you also need to consider when you're bringing somebody on if you really want to give that person any influence you know, right like maybe maybe it's not the right time to bring that person on if you know whatever input they're going to try to give you're just going to shoot down right like you need to be oh. in a place where you're ready for input
1: oh man so i was thinking i was thinking about this earlier and probably a lot of times we bring in people to collaborate so hoping that they will uh confirm our ideas right <laughs> and then when they don't you're like wait that's not why i brought you on i brought you on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's not the feedback yeah that I needed.
1: yeah what's up with this i i want you to confirm that the pics i are making are really smart
0: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's right yeah i mean that's a good point i mean <laughs> clearly communicating in some of their role like saying hey i just <laughs> i just want you to give me some positive <laughs> <Yeah>. feedback <laughs> yeah just give
1: lot. me just give me some thumbs up on my draft picks <laughs> those are great but is it isn't that kind of the problem with uh um with consulting where you bring these consultants in and you you don't really want to hear that you're you've been doing it wrong right most of the people that yeah. bring the consultants in, if the consultant tells you you've been doing it wrong then okay i'm gonna hire a different consultant <laughs> The next well yeah time, and, I mean right? the problem
0: with consultants is it's it's like that same thing that we're saying about when you bring somebody on late in the project like oh they just don't understand the whole picture or, right. like they, they don't understand you know what's different about our situation than a similar situation that they've seen somebody else it's it's too easy to write them off as just this outside source that's that's coming in for a short period of time
1: right and I wonder when you bring someone in w- it's probably, if you give them your goals, then they can make decisions within their goals. But what if you bring them in and they're like, and maybe you need to actually relook at your goals. That yeah. was, that's probably a harder, a harder move to make. I guess it depends on the project, but. Yeah. I mean, cause it, we're kind of talking about give someone the goals and then they can kind of operate within those goals. But what if they come in and they say, hey, we think, I think your priorities are off. Maybe that's what yeah, you need I to mean, hear.
0: I, th- I, th- I think that's probably would be the most effective feedback that you could get. Because like, like I said, you're always going to feel like the outsider doesn't necessarily know how, how their input affects the whole picture. Right. Um, unless, like you said, if it's just for a specific project or a very specific thing that you're bringing the consultants for, I can see that being effective. But but yeah, I mean, looking at the overall organization and organizational goals, um, if you have leaders that are open to whatever their feedback is um, and and you feel that you need to look at that, then yeah, that, I think that'd be a, a very effective use. Yeah. Well, cool. I think we hit, we hit all my notes. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we've proven in our fantasy league that a different perspective can be of value. Um, the one note that I had is, Always know when more is more and when more is less and when less is more (laughs) and be able to identify those times and make decisions accordingly. Yeah. So that's all that I had. So uh, I'm Frank Boyce.
1: And this is Axel Clark. Uh, That's all I have. (laughs) (laughs) Go collaborate. Go collaborate. (laughs) Thanks, Frank. I needed that collaboration. (laughs)